Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Thank you, Isaac. You're the man, bro. You guys doing good this morning? I'm, I'm ready to preach. I, I can't wait. I've been so excited. I feel so filled up. Um, I, you know, as we kind of continue this journey in the book of John, we've been on this woman at the well that experiences something that's incredibly uh, difficult to hear, Jesus even calling out her, her past, but then redeeming her and setting her free and calling her to more. And then she's overwhelmed because she has witnessed something powerful. And when you witness something really powerful, you have to tell others about it. Like, it's just kind of innate within us. But I was thinking about what it means to kind of be known and to know God and to, to know others. And, you know, there's something interesting about, like, the space we live in here in, in America or California, especially, like, the Hollywood space. It's like thinking about, like, the excitement of, like, a celebrity, right? Um, I used to work at a golf resort. I don't play golf, but I was, like, a valet guy. And I was able at Pelican Hill uh, in Newport Coast, Kobe Bryant like lived up the hill. And so uh, I just was honored to park like some pretty crazy cool cars and to meet some pretty uh, affluent people, people of influence. And so there was an honor with how we had to like approach and how we had to greet. And it was welcome to Pelican Hill, good afternoon, good evening. There was a culture that was built. But I remember getting like super excited when I would see on the sheet like, Bruce Willis, what? Marky Mark, like Mark Wahlberg, what? Kobe Bryant, like, you know, obviously before everything. Vanessa Bryant, what? I'm like, guys, can I park Kobe's car? Please, please. He's like, yeah, but we honestly, yeah, that's a long story short. That's, I, I don't want to get into that. The tip wasn't as good as you would think. But there's that. But Vanessa tipped me well because I think I was like, my skin color, Latino, Latina. I said, because I'm like, I'm the Latino guy on, on, the, on the team. I'm like, guys, I got you. She gave me 10 bucks. And they're like, oh, that's pretty good. They only give us like five sometimes, which is interesting. Anyway, I remember thinking like, I get so amped up and excited. And so I could tell you that story because I've like kind of met him briefly. Like it was like a brief moment. Hello, Mr. Brian, how you doing? Welcome to Pelican Hill. You know, and then I go park his car. Hi, Mrs. Bryant, how are you? Go park her car. It's just a brief moment. So, like, I don't really know them, right? But we get so excited, like, we think we know them. Or what about, like, when you're watching, like, a, a series and you're, like, so invested into it and you feel like you know them, right? Or, like, the YouTube space that we're in. You know, you can watch a YouTuber or a podcaster, and after a while you're like, I, like, think I really know them, like, I know their emotions, I know what makes them happy or sad, like if you're really invested into it. Well, I think that's, there's, a, there's a, something interesting in us as humans that draws us to knowing someone. But it's one thing to have met someone just for a brief time or to just listen to them on a screen. It's another to actually know them in a, in a more like intrinsic way, in a deeper way. 
to know their ins and their outs, to know what makes them tick and talk, makes them happy or sad, what their favorite coffee is and like X, Y, and Z. You begin to build a relationship with somebody and you begin to, to, to know them. And I, I think the danger of the culture that we live in is like we just like are being pushed away from this space of like really knowing someone. Or if I could say it this way, allowing others to know us. It's cool to know about someone and even meet them. It's another to build a relationship with intention. This is exactly what happened to, to the Samaritan people, not just the woman, but the people who felt outcast and ostracized and pushed out of the spaces that God would occupy. They didn't feel like they were good enough. Have you ever felt that way with God? I'm not good enough. I don't think I can, like, add up to it. I don't know the word like he or she does. I don't know those. And so it's like you, you feel like inadequate. So this is exactly what they were feeling. I, I want to talk about right now, like, in this moment, like, what does it mean to know God, to know him? Like, I, like and that for you and for me and as you walk with Jesus, as you walk with the Spirit of God, you begin to know God. Because he, now let me break this down to you so don't run out out of like thinking it's bad theology. Because he needs to know you. What do you mean? Of course he, know, of course he knows you. But have you opened up your heart? Have you actually audibly said and prayed certain prayers for him to access that part of your life? He knows you, but does he know you in an intimate manner? Does he know your emotion and what makes you happy and excited? Have you actually built that relationship with the Father? Which, by the way, Matthew 7 is that one scripture that throws everyone off. Jesus, I casted out demons in your name. I prophesied in your name. I baptized people. I was a pastor. I was on the worship team. I was on, I was doing all, having Bible studies. And, doing, and Jesus will say, well, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. So is it possible to like look at a celebrity or whoever in the room and say, I know that guy. I, I know him. I know, I know Pastor Sam. <laughs> but it's like, well, do you? Do you, like, have, have, have the, has that person opened up their life to you and shared their heart and their strengths and their weaknesses? Because it's one thing to be walking alongside the street and see, like, that's Bruce Willis. What's Bruce Willis, by the way? He, he always had, like, a, what's the word, um, a name that wasn't his? I forget the language of that. What's that? Alias, kind of like something like that. There's another language, but I, I forget the, the vocabulary of it. But it's probably an alias. And so he was, like, another name. But the guys knew that that was Bruce Willis because he didn't want to be known, right? And I remember he wanted his car washed, and I'm like, I'll take Bruce Willis's car to get it washed. Let me take it right now. They're like, no, it's protocol, man. The other guy's got to do that. And I'm like, man, it's a bummer. And then, of course, like, I just heard he didn't tip well, so I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's a whole other conversation. I must be upset with that or something. <laughs> Hey, we had a tip, you know, pull, and I didn't keep it off. So guys got fired because they kept it themselves. I wouldn't do that. 
character, all that stuff. Anyway, this is exactly what happened to the Samaritan people who felt ostracized. So this is the scripture, John 4, and we finish the story of the Samaritan woman and the people. Here it is. Many of the Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's story, for she testified. Can you say testified? She testified. He told me all things I have done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay among them, and he stayed there two days. It wasn't just a moment. It wasn't just a high and by. He actually embodied himself to be a part of their community. And many more believed when they heard his word. Because it wasn't just secondhand smoke revelation. It wasn't just, I heard about this Jesus. Or, I was at this well and this man told me everything that I've ever done. He surely is the Messiah. And then she goes and tells the people of Sikar the Samaritan people, and they're like, that's crazy, that's amazing, but then they get to actually know him and meet him and talk with him, and he spends time with them, and there's a knowing that takes place. No longer do we believe because of your talk. We ourselves have listened to him, we've talked with him, and we know that this really is the Savior of the world. Did you know that if you know God and you're intimate with him and you spend time with him emotionally and spiritually and intellectually and socially, you know, you can do that with God, by the way. You can actually know him. You can actually learn his voice. You can actually learn to walk with him and to be developed and structured and shaped by him. That you actually know the savior of the world think about how powerful and cosmic and massive that is we see this in this passage a pattern by which the gospel often spreads to know him to know god to know the savior of the world and then he gives a sort of a pattern a model a space within this passage of how does this happen? How do we get the gospel out? How do we, quote, evangelize, right? The question is, think about how you first found out about God. It started with an introduction, right? Somebody introduced you to God. Could have been your mom or your dad. Could have been a sibling. Could have been a family member, a grandma or a grandpa. It could have been a friend at school or something on Instagram. That's another way. That's kind of interesting, right? You saw something, and there was this draw to you, and there was this introduction to God in your life. Paul said it best when he said, how are they to hear without someone to proclaim to him? The word of God must be transmitted from one person to another. And we can, we can kind of... Add the scripture in Romans where it says, even if, even if we don't, the rocks will cry out. Absolutely. But I don't want it to get to that point. That's my job. That's your job. That is our job as a community to be the type of people to transmit the power and the wonder and the grace and the beauty of God to others. Like a good virus, not a bad one. Where you caught it 
and there's this, this excitement, there's this, there's this witness, there's this story you've told me that's pulled me in. How is it possible that you were addicted for X amount of days, but now you're not? What does that do? How does that happen? How is it possible that you were, your marriage was just about to be done and tank and the divorce papers were apparent and yet all of a sudden you guys love each other and have a flourishing family? How is, explain that to me. Oh, let me introduce you to the man who changed my life. The savior of the world. But do you have the knowledge and the knowing and the obedience and the connection to actually transmit that to others? Or as even Pastor Josiah was saying last night, or do you just kind of keep it hush-hush, like the FBI badge? I thought that was funny. Think about how you found God. It was an introduction, right? So that introduction is most powerful when it's a personal witness that have experienced the power of God. This is how something spreads like wildfire, like, by the way. You, you experience this tangible movement of God, and it doesn't make sense. Well, it's the mystery of God. It doesn't have to make sense, right? But we try in our American culture to make sense of it because in, in the time of our history, there was this movement where it's like we have to know everything about everything. No, you don't. It's a mystery. It's, it's majestic. It, some, some of it, it just doesn't make sense. I don't even know how to explain it to you. And so it's hard when I'm trying to explain something that I can't explain because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, man. I just know the power of God. He just... He, he does things that doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. But it starts to make sense when your life was doom and gloom and dark, and now it's not. That part makes sense to me. Something happened. What happened? Tell me. Tell me. Introduce me to this movement, to this God. And by the way, what I've noticed is that what people are doing is they're hungry. Friends, People are hungry for the power of the invisible God to, quote, manifest in their life. And so then they'll look for that manifestation, that invisible power, and they'll look in so many different areas. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to trap you in that lie and think that is the saving power. That is the truth. This is what gets you where you need to go. And so then we find ourselves in places where it's not the savior of the world. It's like the savior of hell. And now you're, you're like, but I thought this was supposed to be good for me, but I feel like hell now. I went to that person or I talked to that, 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 that psychic reader and they said this and that and I thought it was good because I just was looking for an answer and I was just so, I just needed, I needed to find peace and I needed the answer. I needed, the, I needed to know why that happened, man. Like no one could tell me why it happened. So I had to go to find out so that I could know. And what the enemy does, he deceives you. He lies to you. He tries to get you off course, to pull you in, to pull you down. And now you're off track. And now hell seems to... So that is the power of the introduction of God. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a man. I want you to be a woman or a man of faith that says, I got the power of God within me. And I know how to explain to you. Let me just show you. Let me, let me just introduce you to this God. To the goodness of God. To the grace of God. To the mercy of God. And some, some of us could be in the room and we're just like, 
I don't see that. Why don't I have what you're explaining? It doesn't make sense. Well, then my question to you would be, do you really, quote, know him? And does he know you? Have you allowed your heart, your soul, your spirit to be opened up to the savior of the world? When, when men and women experience the tangible power of God, you can't withhold that story. You can't shut them up. <laughs> you become zealous. You become powerful. They're having a lot of fun in kids. I love that. You must tell others. You must be a witness. You must preach these stories to others. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was an orphan. I had no mother or father. I was broken. I was damaged goods. But now I have God. I was lost, but now I am found. I was searching and seeking and looking at everything that I could look for, and I could not find it because I was, quote, looking for love in all the wrong places until I found the Savior of the world, Jesus of Nazareth. In the name alone, darkness trembles. In the name alone, pulls me in for more. And the name alone heals me so that I can heal others. And the name alone transforms my family and my life and my way and my thinking and my heart and my being. Jesus, the Savior of the world. Once you've introduced or you're introduced, you are drawn to intimacy. They asked Jesus, stay longer so we can spend time with you. He said, absolutely. I'm on a mission, but I got time for you. I'll stay for two days. And I, I wondered the conversations that they had. You ever wonder that? Like, what do they talk about? The Samaritans, for, for years, the, the racial opposition of the Jew to the Samaritan, and the Jew would have to go all the way around. Remember we learned about that? And yet Jesus goes straight for it, and he's like, I'm on mission because I know what the Father has told me to do, and I need to show these people the love and the power of God. So we're going straight to where we need to go. And so then he has conversations. What were the conversations? They had to be transforming. They had to be radical. They had to move them from one place to the other because now a whole city is blown away by the power of God. And guess who did it? Guess who started it? The woman at the well. I've witnessed, guys, guys, which, by the way, this is how powerful God is. He's the master storyteller. Women were like below scum in this time and day and age. Remember I told you this? The rabbis would be bleeding because they couldn't even look at a woman. They would close their eyes and hit the walls. A rabbi should not, could not, would not, if he wanted to have prestige, even talk to a woman in public. And Jesus said, I don't care about any of that. I'm on a mission for love. I'll break all your walls. It doesn't mean anything to me. I do what only the Father tells me to do. That racial stuff, that's got to go. That thinking about this person in that way, that's got to go. And so he goes into the city because of this woman. Does that blow your mind? Think about it. Like, that doesn't happen. But she goes and says, guys, like, this man told me everything, and I, like, he's the Messiah. And then he, he comes to the city and transforms an entire region because one woman said, this man changed my life. Her yes created a massive ripple effect 
for the saving power of God. That's why we have to partner with God, by the way. I was just thinking about earlier, and I'm like, just overwhelmed by, like, the joy of, of, like, even what's taking place in our community and how people are finding deliverance from oppression and for, like, the strongholds of their life. And it's like they're stepping into freedom and they're walking in the power and they're walking in authority. And I just felt, like, impressed with my spirit, God saying, like, thank you, son, for partnering with me. I choose to partner with you. Like, like thank you for, for saying yes. It's not you, Sam. It's me, but I need vessels willing to just say yes. Who will say yes? I'm like, yeah, God, I'll be, I'll, over and over and over. Would I, do you want any more out of me? You can have it all. Is there anything left that's not of you? Take it, God. Because the feeling and the power that you experience when you see others witness God, it's like eternal abundance. I can't explain it. Have you ever witnessed that or experienced that or seen that? When you have like a, a really good friend who's just been wayward, they don't really care about God, love God, and then you've been praying for them for so long, and then there's just that one moment where just they get it, and they're baptized, or they're asking Jesus to change their life, and it's just a moment where you're like, man, you were a part of that story so that they could know the Savior of the world. So there is no transformation until you live in stride with his presence. The more you spend time with God, the more you learn his saving power, the more you learn his saving strength, the more you learn his saving way. Did you know there is an actual proven science around the idea of being known? That's why one of our pillars is for presence. Presence requires what? Proximity. You have to be close to feel someone's presence. And so we just made it like our mission, like we will be a people of presence because in order to be a people of presence, you have to be a people of proximity. In order to be a people of proximity, you have to be willing to be known by God and by others. Watch this. This is going to blow your mind for those that like this stuff. I love this stuff. There's a brilliant mind called Kurt Thompson. Um, I learned about him in my, my master's program on just like soul care and, and, and discipleship and transformation within leadership. And there's this book called The Anatomy of the Soul. I'd encourage you to read it if you like to read. The Anatomy of the Soul, Kurt Thompson. He is a neurobiologist, but he's also like a therapist in the practice of neurobiology, but he believes in God. He's a scientist who loves God, believes in God. And so he practices what he calls being known. Interpersonal, here's what he says. Interpersonal neurobiology, interestingly enough, is tending to give us different information than what our typical scientific direction tends to go. It tends to say, we don't really know ourselves until we see ourselves in somebody else's eyes. So to the degree that we aren't just simply striving to know information, but to the degree that we are willing to be known by others in all of our dreadfulness. We got a lot of it and brokenness and craziness and what we want to hide from others. And all of our darkness and strangeness is the degree to which I then become known even to myself. So what he's saying like in your brain is in order for you to really know you, you got to open yourself to others. That's what the science says. 
And then he says, and I can't really do that, nor will I experience that, I think, with God until and or unless I'm doing that with other people that are just sitting three feet away from me to know and to be known and to share your heart and to open your life and to go on a journey with others, which, by the way, is the, is the call of God in your life, to know him, to be known by him. I do not want to get to heaven like no way, no way for him to say, hey, uh, <laughs> you did all these things, but I never knew you. You went up on stage and were preaching and were like, you weren't even talking, like you didn't even know me. You went up on stage and were singing, but you didn't even know me. I can tell you from experience, it is possible for me to put an entire sermon together and not even have Jesus with me. It's possible. It's possible to get up here and to play and to sing, you know, and to dance, and to not even know God. We're really good at putting on a, quote, show. We're really good at letting other people know if we can put on masks well, I'm good, but I'm not. And the terrifying truth within the, 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 the science behind it is you won't truly know you unless you open up your life to others. You know why? Because they see the blind spots. They come against the voices, especially if they're spirit-filled. I love what Pastor Josiah said. He said, I'll go to a counselor but they better be spirit-filled because why would I go to a counselor that's not spirit-filled? Because Jesus is the greatest counselor. The spirit of the God is the greatest counselor. So why would I go to therapy if you don't even have the spirit of God within you? That's scary. Which, by the way, there's two places. I'm going so off track, but can I just, are you guys good? There's two places that damage you the most. Two places because we open up our heart and our lives. The knowing piece is kind of opened up a little bit. It's a therapist room, a therapy, and in church. Because it's just kind of like a natural like, oh, I kind of feel safe here. This should be a safe space, so I'm going to open up a little bit. That is why we have to be healthy and on point with our character. That is why the whole blueprint of Ephesians is to be a people of love in community with one another. Jesus gave us the blueprint. Why aren't we listening to him? You want to find transformation? Open up your life to somebody. You want to step away from the darkness? Stop hiding it in the darkness and expose it for what it is. Then you begin to know who you are. Oh, dang, man. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Hey, Brennan, can I share this with you? Can I share this with you, man? This is what's going on in my life. Which, by the way, you got to be careful with who you do that with. Please. Please, please. <laughs> Here's why, because <clears throat> why would I, and again, I, I learned this at a young age from, from, from my parents, you know, why, why would I go to someone who lacks uh, the spiritual um, fear of God, the, the counsel of God, why would I go to like get direction from them when they, they don't even so, like, there's no peace there, and so I'm going to go to a man of, like, not peace and ask them about how to find peace? It doesn't make sense. So go to someone in your life that understands how to be healthy with relationships. I've learned this. This blows my mind. You want to know the marker of character who has good character? It's not. Let me ask this question. I'll just do it here. And I've heard this somewhere else, so it's not coming from me. Who, who's, like, 
if you're like a science, like, uh, we have like, you know, really smart minds in the room. Do you think that like being really smart makes you have good character? Is that possible? Absolutely not. Right? Even being a pastor, does that mean that makes you have good character? No, because if you spend enough time with me and you start seeing some like shaky stuff, you'll be like, that man is not a man of character. And the question is, think about that person in your life that actually knows how to deal with relationships. They have a healthy ecosystem of relationships. That one person. They don't have to be famous. They don't have to be a pastor. It could be anyone in your life. They just know how to navigate because in every environment you go into, by the way, you're going to deal with people. Do you know how to have character and how to have wisdom, wisdom, to navigate the issues of other people and you? But if you're constantly burning bridges and cutting people out of your life and hurting people and saying things about people and damaging others as you damage you, that is not wisdom. That's foolishness. So you want to know who's wise in your life? Look to the people who have a healthy ecosystem of relationships. Which, by the way, all you got to do is come to church and you can figure that out real quick, how to get healthy. You can either get better or bitter. <laughs> It'll happen really quick. We just hang out long enough, give it like two, three months. All the, the, the fluffies and butterflies go away. It's like dating. Right? Right? I'm just being honest. Can we just be real here? So I'm getting so off track, but my point is know God. Know him. How do you know him? You have to learn how to know others. Be known in your dreadfulness, in your, 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 your insecurities, and your deficiencies, and your brokenness, who cares? Be known. Open up your life. Be real. Find someone you can trust so that you can learn who you are. Because when you learn who you are, God's like, oh, okay, finally you're humble. Let me now do something in your life. You don't have a mask on anymore. You're real with me because you're real with others. Love your God, greatest commandment, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. How on earth is that possible if you don't even know how to love yourself the way God loves you? Did you is this possible to know that? That's why, like, we have this conference yesterday, and I'm like, I'm sick of the generational curses, and I'm sick of the, the enemy and the footholds and the strongholds. Why is it that you can be a Christian for 10 years and still have issues and still have struggles? And I was just so tired. It was bothering me. I would toss and turn. Why is it that you can be, call yourself a Christian, go to church, but you're living a double-edged life, and it's just damaging your life, and then it's like, what, what is it? And it's like, oh, it's the strongholds. It's the footholds. It's the lack of being known and knowing God. So we have to come against that in the name of Jesus, in community with one another. You can just go church to church, to church to church, to church to church. You can go location to location to location to location. I'm not doing well in this, in this region, so I'm just going to go to another region, right? I'm not doing well in this job. I can't stand him and her and her and him and all of those people, they frustrate me. That boss, he always tells me what to do, and I don't like it, but he's my boss. I just can't stand how he tells me that. So I'm just going to go to a different job. And you don't learn you. Because you have no one in your life to call you out. What are you doing, man? That's foolish. That's not wise. A wise man builds his house on the cornerstone. So I have to learn to know him. You have to learn to know him. Did you know that? This is like secret sauce, man. 
It really is. Just know, just learn to be known by God. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? Find someone you really trust in the community, sit down with them and tell them everything. Find an elder. Just start with the elders first. Don't start with anyone else. Tell them everything, man. Hey, I gotta be real with you. This is who I am. This is like my dark stuff. These are the secrets of old. These are the dark spaces. I just gotta get it out. I'm so sick of it being in the dark. You have to know. Someone has to know. But pastor, I told God, ain't I good? Well, how is it possible to walk in freedom with others and to be a human being when you're lying to yourself with others all the time? Open up your heart to God. Love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is why you need healthy people in your life. Because I'm not afraid of your junk. Because we all got junk. I have junk. Do you have junk? You're like, I don't know if I should say yes or no. We all, we all have our issues, right? We all have our brokenness. We all have our days where we get angry or upset and we mess up and we fall short. But you need an ecosystem of people around you that can call you to more. This is not who you are, man. This is who you are. Now go to the Father, be known by, so you're learning how to know you, and now you're opening up your life to God, and now he can pinpoint all the areas of your life, because you have a people around you to call you and to push you to more. Does that make sense? Being known. In their knowing of Jesus, they discovered his function and his purpose. They didn't just hear about him, watch this, they learned him. They learned him, they learned Jesus, they became intimate with him. They learned his emotion and how he talked and how he spoke to one another and how he loved. They understood who he was. We find it here in 1 John 4, 14, and it says this. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be what? The Savior of the world. The Father has testified to the Son to be the Savior, it is a title, it is an occupation, it is a function. It was the mission and the call of the Son to save the world. We've gone over that, right, in John 3, 16. So to John, it was the title for Christ. John did not invent the title. In the Old Testament, God had often been called the God of salvation, the Savior, the saving God. Many of the Greek gods had acquired this title as well. And at the time John was writing, the Roman emperor was invested with the title, Savior of the world. But there's a new Savior in town, the real Savior, the true Savior, the one who saves you from the inside out. And it's Jesus. It is as if John said, all that you've dreamed, all that you've dreamed of has at last in Jesus come true. So we do well to remember this title. Jesus was not simply a prophet. He came with a message and words from God. He was not simply an expert psychologist with a unique way for seeing into the human mind. Absolutely not. True, he showed that very skill in the case of the Samaritan woman with emotional intelligence. Yes, 100%. But he showed more than that. He was not simply an example. He did not come simply to show men and women the way in which life ought to be lived. Jesus' function was to save. It was his function then, it's his function now, and it will forever be his function. His title, his role, the space to which he occupies is to save you and me from the depths of hell. He'll snatch you up, man. 
He'll rescue you from the, the gates and the tremble and the fiery flames of hell. He'll rescue you. He'll pull you out. He'll make you new. He'll restore you. He will save you. He rescued people from the evil and the hopeless situations in which they found themselves. And he is still doing that today, right now. He broke the change that bound them to the past and gave them a power which enabled them to meet the future. And he's still doing it right now. We were able to witness some powerful stuff yesterday. And I just, I love that because it's like the teaching becomes embodied in real life. That's when it's like, all right, bro, I'll, I'll believe. There's some people that are like that. That's okay. Like, show me then. He's like really that powerful. Like, well, just stay long enough. You'll see. Just get a part of people of God. You'll see. Open up your life. You'll see. Stop hiding in the dark. You'll see. He is the savior of the world. And when you run from him, you know what he does? I, do, I believe this. He chases after you. Like the shepherd that chases after the one. He'll find you, man. And he'll kind of, ah, yeah, you left. That's okay. I love you, I love you, you're good, you're good. That was bad, but you're good. You shouldn't have done that. It's gonna create some consequences, but I love you, come back home. I'm the savior, I got you. He enables us to break away from the past and he opens a new future to us. There is no title adequate to describe Jesus except savior of the world. Worship team, you guys can come on up. So if this is true, and Jesus is Savior, and Jesus rescues, and Jesus restores, then it is our privilege and responsibility to bring others to Jesus. Would you agree to that? It's, it's my responsibility. It's our responsibility. It's the church's responsibility. It's the body of Christ that functions in different forms. It is on us. He has entrusted that to us. I don't want the rocks to do it. I don't want the trees to worship out. I want to do it. Put me in, God. Whatever I have to do, I'll do it. But that's, that's how hungry you have to get for the proximity with God. And then watch what he does in your life. Because that's just the mystery of God. It's like the more you serve others, the more God will do to, and serve you and honor you and love you. It's, it's, it's the way he structured the kingdom of heaven. It's unlike the kingdom of this world. How do I become the greatest leader? Oh, become the greatest servant. Serve others, love others, walk with others. Let yourself be known by others. Then it is our privilege to do this. If God sent his son, watch this, Jesus is now sending us. God sent his son. And now my rabbi and my master and my God, my Jesus is sending me and he sends you he sends you in your workplace he sent you to be the light of the world he has sent you there's no question about it you don't have to think about it any longer so speak and love and walk in love and embody love and be the type of person that someone's like man why do you have so much grace to you and so much love to you? Why are you so forgiving? Why are you so patient? Why do you have so much joy? He did this to seek and to save the lost. So he 
He rescued us, he redeemed us, he restored us, and he makes us new. That's it. He rescues you, he redeems you, he restores you, and he makes you new. I just, I just feel like uh, in this space, I can't do it for you. You've heard me say this before. I can't. You got you to gotta be willing to take that step. You got to be willing to move forward with God. You got to be willing to, like, give up the past. And if you're at a place, full disclosure, full disclosure. If you're at a place where you're like, I don't know why. You're humble enough to say, Pastor, I don't know why. Can you just... Can we sit and talk for a second? You got to be willing to hear the truth. Because we can sit and talk. And, and I, let's, let's talk. Let's build a relationship. Let's go on a journey. Let's, but after a while, can you hear the truth? That person you're with is not healthy. You can't do that. You can't be sleeping around before your marriage is beautiful. Sex is divine, designed for marriage. So already if you're in the room... I'm not trying to shame you. That comes from the devil. So if you're hearing that, that's the devil. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is if you want to live a fruitful life, then live the way the kingdom says to live it. If you want to live in abundance, then be willing to give up the past, to give up your feelings and your way and your whatever, to submit under his will. And I promise you, I promise you, because of the word of God, it's not my promise, it's his, that he will redeem you, rescue you, set you free, make you new. That's what he does. But you're, if, you're, if, you're just, if you're here, if you're here, if you're here and you're wrestling with that, it's on you. Just keep wrestling then. How long will you wrestle? Wrestle then. Wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Do it, do it, do it. But I'm telling you the sauce. You want the sauce? <laughs> just listen to him and obey him. <laughs> it gets really big at first. Can I be honest with you? It gets really big. To know him, oh, it's beautiful because when you start walking with Jesus in discipleship and you're all in, he starts making things really known, the big things. Stop cussing. That, like, do I have to go through the Bible on that one? Like, come on, please. No, we just got to stop. No, 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 no dreadful or evil or dark words should ever come out of my mouth. Why? I'm the temple of God. I ought to be holy unto him. And when I fall, and it, oh, gosh, darn, I can't get that back, but I can move forward. Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I'm still on process. But I'm going to keep moving forward, and I'm going I'm to watch my tongue. Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? So that's just, it's big. And it's like, oh, that makes sense. I got to stop that. Discipleship. Accountability. Oh, that thing that I'm watching at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. that grips me, I got to stop that. The way that I'm living my life or posting on social media and embodying a certain personification to get the admiration of others, I got to stop that. The way that I view others in their image, it's like an idolatry. I have to stop that. It, they're very big things in the beginning. It's like, oh, like no one has to sit with you and tell you those things. God will show it to you. But then watch this. The more you walk with Jesus, it gets, it gets specific and honed in. It's like, son, son, the way you're thinking, I want to change. You're thinking too small, Sam. 
the way that you looked at that person, I want you to change that. It gets really small and specific, and it even gets unique to your story. That father wound, Sam, or that father wound, friend, that mother wound, you got to let me heal that. It's specific. Your faithfulness to the house of God or to me, it gets specific. Does it make sense? You guys get that? It's wide at first, and it gets really specific. You might know the specific nature, but I would also say you're blind to it. It's like the blind spot in your car. You got to look. Sometimes you don't look, but it's there. Community. People around you to call out the blind spots. But how will we know if we don't know you? So my prayer we could lower the the house lights and just lean into this moment as we come to a close my prayer for you church is that you would be the type of person that desires to really know the father to really know God to really know his saving power he wants to save you way more than you could ever dream or imagine Save your family, save you from your past, redefine a new narrative for your story. He wants all of that for you and so much more. But he will never force you to step into relationship with him. It's a choice. It's a, it's a yeah, I want that. It's a decision. And often us adults, um, the way we learn best is in crisis, and I don't want that for you. I don't want you to have to go through crisis. I want you to just say, wisdom says this. I'll stop. <laughs> but the foolish man says, oh, I think I'll be okay. And then you're not. And then crisis is at hand. So, Jesus, I pray for every soul in the room, for every person in the room, for every story all with different unique expressions of life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Father, you know their story, but you want them to tell their story to you. I pray, oh God, that in this moment, whomever this is for, that it would pierce their heart, pierce their soul, that we would learn to be people on mission, to tell others about the saving power, to know you, God, to be intimate with you, to love you, to honor you, to worship you. I want to know you, God. I want to know you. If you're in the room and you're just like, yeah, I want, I want to know God like that. Like I am ready to like, really do this maybe you're you've never given your life to Jesus as the saving power and you want to do that right now I just want to give that opportunity you've never given your life like in a serious manner like this is the day that the Lord has made this is the day of salvation if that's you would you just raise your hand just so I could see you Can we stand up as a church? We're just a posture of...